1: You're listening to the Wes and Walker show. This is another box. Goodness gracious. <laughs> it's Wes. Oh, it's multiple. Lo- we got little soccer balls. Oh! We got rugby balls. We got the basketball. And Walker. These guys are happy, stuffed balls, is what they are. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Good Lord. Uh, That's
2: going to be a drop. We have-
3: walker show i'm back today off a one day break to take care of the baby you know what i'm saying had to do that but uh back in the studio with the crew hit us up on that text line 704-570-9610 hit us up on those social medias at WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. At Wes underscore 72. At Walker Mail. And at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well. Most importantly, the Wes and Walker page on Twitter. Hit that follow button. All of the content. You get the war crowds. All that. So you can play it over and over and over again. So you can get that.
1: Well, no. I was just going to say I sound like Mitch Kupchak without me doing the impression. <laughs> because I have zero juice behind the voice. All That's right. just how it is. Well, I'll now- just back off.
3: It is time to go to the campus. Kona. All right, folks. ACC football starting to heat up, starting to get into the thick of conference play. And so now with the Duke Blue Devils, they could possibly not have Riley Leonard for a while, long while. The report has come out that he's got the high ankle sprain, so he's going to be missing from a team that a lot of people thought was the second best team in the ACC. But with him, out of the picture, you would think that Duke will take at least a little bit of a step back. We shall see. That's why they play the games. But the question right now, is Miami the clear-cut number two team at this point? Now, we've got a few teams that can sit into that spot, but right now the Canes have started the season 4-0 with the 13th best strength of record, 15th best power football index, but they have the 102nd best strength of schedule, even though they did get a win against a ranked Texas A&M. But their schedule is going to get tougher for sure. They lead the ACC in scoring now, 43.8 points per game. The Hurricanes have scored at least 38 points in its first four games for the first time since 2022. But then their defense is balling as well. Miami also running the football. They lead the ACC in rushing, even though they only had a 77-yard performance against Texas a and They're averaging 222 and a half rushing yards per game. And then defensively, you look at it, they're second in the ACC in scoring defense, 12.5 points per game, allowed 10 points or less in three of his first four games, and they only give up. And astonishing, 48 rushing yards per game with Leonard Taylor in the middle, housing right now. Are the Canes right now the clear-cut second-best team in the ACC?
1: If you wanted to say they were the second-best team in the ACC, totally fine. Couldn't argue with you a ton. If you want to say they're the clear-cut second-favorite in the ACC, that's where I have a problem. The ACC has four undefeated teams in their conference right now. Yes. And if you've got four undefeated teams, then all of them have a shot to be the second-best. Because we're all putting Florida State up there at number one, right? Well, okay, Florida State one of the undefeated teams in the conference. The other two teams, one is Duke, which I'm not so sure. They're not the second best team in the ACC after they lost to Notre Dame. If they would have rushed even for West, are they undefeated too with monster wins against Clemson and Notre Dame and the other team? Clemson still deserves to be in this conversation to a certain degree. Duke beat him. You can have Duke there if you want to. But if we want to go through a whole resume, especially depending on how you view Duke possibly losing some of these games this upcoming stretch because they don't have their star quarterback, if you want to include that, then maybe you would have Clemson jump above Duke, even if the Blue Devils beat Clemson at the beginning of the season. All that to say the ACC is in a very good position right now. They've got undefeated teams, a couple of teams with a loss or two losses are both highly regarded with what Duke is and what Clemson is. No, I don't think Miami is the clear cut, but it's good for the conference that you have a few options there as to who is the second best team in the ACC.
3: No doubt about it. So now when we also look and you talk about the Clemson Tigers and we've talked about their skill talent and what they have and what they don't have, but they may have found their next star receiver. I'm talking about Tyler Brown. And he leads Clemson in receptions with 21. He's got 316 receiving yards and top for the team lead with two touchdown catches against Syracuse last Saturday. He had nine receptions for 153 yards. He won ACC Rookie of the Week and ACC Receiver of the Week honors. His 153 receiving yards were the most by a Clemson true freshman since Justin Rawlsson. 153 yards against alabama in the college football playoff national championship game to end the 2018 season and so when you look at this young man Dabo just raves about him and he said that it was god's favor of course Dabo would say something like that that it was god's favor that they got this young man because he said they lost out on the recruit that they really really wanted and they were able to get him and he said the last time that that happened a defensive lineman canceled on them, canceled his commitment, and they got Shaq Lawson. So now, with Tyler Brown, he kind of puts you in the mind of the guy whose jersey number he wears. When you talk about Jacoby Ford, talking about a small speedster in that 5'11", 180-pound range, but he flies around the football field 15 yards per catch. He's averaging, as Clemson found his next star receiver to continue the tradition. Of wide receiver you And before you start really quick, uh, Dabble also talked about how Tyler had a basketball background and how all of the great receivers, especially ones that he's had, whether you talk about DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Williams, all of them have basketball backgrounds.
1: Oh, I like it. So, yes, uh, the the basketball, the sport is the thing that unleashes star wide receivers. Um, I think it's a little too little too early to say that they have a star like that depending on how and how you want to hold him in high regard to some of the other wide receivers that have been first round picks in you know past NFL drafts or even a Justin Ross who wasn't selected that high but it's because he suffered a million injuries the guy was amazing when he first stepped onto a football field with Clemson I don't know if you're holding him in that regard Wes honestly I view him as right now a possible wide receiver of the Cade Klubnik level, right? Ooh. So this this is why I mean it, and okay. and, and maybe better, but right. it, it, but in that same neighborhood. Let's go. Come on. Well, the reason I say that is because remember how people were trying to make Cade Klubnik, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. or Deshaun Watson. He's not, but also in my opinion, he's better than a Kelly Bryant throwing the football and a DJU. So if Cade is in that happy medium area then maybe that's where Tyler Brown is. Maybe Brown isn't a DeAndre Hopkins, a Sammy Watkins, Justin Ross, T. Higgins. Maybe he's not that, but he's better than Bo Collins, right? He's better than Antonio Williams and some of these other wide receivers that haven't lived up to the hype that we thought they would come in with the season. And so that's where I put them. I think maybe there is that similarity between the quarterback throwing him the football. Maybe he's in the territory wide receiver-wise as Cade Klumnick is quarterback-wise.
3: Well, I'm going to push back on you and say that I definitely think that this young man is a star in the making. When you watch him play, man, he is explosive out there on the football field. The big diving catch he had against FSU – uh, you love a lot of what you see from this kid. He's got the speed. I mean, I know coming out of high school, uh, I know he was clocked at, four, at a 4 a 40 He's getting it done out there. And with that big game that he had uh, against Syracuse, I think this is just the start of Clemson finding their next star. I think maybe – you might be hating on a young man because of his Oh, signs. I'm not think, trying to do I, that. I think the fact that he's not 6'3", 220, you might uh, not want to be in the wide receiver can, you
1: argue. Can I see more than two games with over 80 yards? Can I see more than two? No I'm doubt. I'm not trying to be a hater. I hope that I'm proven big time wrong. I just want to see a little bit more. No doubt. I just want to see more. you know, i got to give you a hard time. And so now
3: uh, going you up don't know two, why you do this to Fitty in the back of the room, this may perk his ears up a little bit. It may not be something he's not familiar with. But North Carolina right now, you look at this team, their offensive line starting to struggle a little bit as they get into the meat of their schedule. Over the last couple of games, they've seen a drop in production running the football. This was a team that ran for a combined 487 yards and wins against South Carolina and App State. But over the last two games, they've had 182 yards total rushing yards they ran for 77 yards in the last game the ACC opener versus Pittsburgh and they've given up seven sacks across the last two games Drake May is sitting there, five touchdowns, four interceptions on the season, which could be a byproduct. And they've played against some really good run defenses, but they've also had injuries along their offensive line as well. Uh, Willie Lambkin graded out as North Carolina's highest-rated offensive lineman, according to PFF, and is the third highest-rated player on the offense behind Drake May and Omarion Hampton. So they will definitely be uh, looking for him because he's missed some time This season, and he participated in UNC's practice on Sunday, so they'll see if they can get him back out there. But through four games this year, North Carolina has played four linemen, over 50 percent of its total offensive snaps. Center Corey Gaynor and right tackle Spencer Harlem, Spencer Rowland, logged all 303 snaps on this season, but eight different linemen have made appearances in the last two games in at least two games excuse me so uh is the carolina offensive line 50 something to be concerned about going forward
2: i don't think so because you got a quarterback that's more than capable of overcoming that's always the answer. you know a, a a offensive line and i i think look you look at the issues they had running the ball the last two games you played against two of the best defensive lines you're going to see all year long you, you we knew going in you weren't going to be able to run the ball if they can't move Virginia around in a couple weeks if they can't move Georgia Tech around then I'll say they'll be able to run the ball hell if they can't move Syracuse around on Saturday I'll come back here on Monday and say you know what I'm a little bit concerned but no no I, I, I think they've got the right the right mix up there up front. And when they need to be able to run the ball, they'll be able to.
1: Hey, I know you're shaking your head. I don't know if I completely disagree with Fiddy, though. Why are you shaking your head with Fiddy talking about how he's not worried with Drake May and the schedule they have coming up, not as daunting as some of these other ACC schools?
3: Uh, because you should be worried because the offensive line is the backbone of every offense, and we see now sure. even with the quarterback here. If the offensive line isn't playing good, it doesn't matter who you've got back there. And so that's the thing they're not running the football as well something they wanted to get to supplement drake may to help make the game easier on him that's starting to fall to the wayside and then when you talk about the stacks that they've been giving up as well because eventually they're going to play a team that's got the offense that can score with them and so if your offensive line isn't giving you what you need and you can get carolina off the field keep drake may on the sidelines i think that could be something that could pop up down the line you've got the third best total defense and Syracuse coming in this yeah, week. Yeah,
1: Syracuse defense, you're right. Like that. Even if you're just looking at the kind of schedule that they're going up against, if you compare it to the other ACC teams, it might not be...
2: As daunting, but Syracuse defense, they're and the playing well. two
3: sack team in the ACC and coming in, 3.2 sacks a game.
2: They also gave up 31 points at home to a Clemson offense that isn't as good as Carolina's. Uh, their offensive line is way better than y'all. Is their quarterback as good as ours? No. Is no, their running the back talent line, as yeah. deep as ours? No. Is their wide receiver room as good as ours? No, no, and no. <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> how has Shadour Sanders, uh, you know, looked at times against good teams with that offensive line. Should not do, very
2: good. Yeah. Well, how the hell do we get to Boulder, Colorado, well, because and I'm just Sanders? saying that you can have a phenomenal quarterback
3: back there, but if your offensive line up front isn't playing well, that negates all of that. Well, I mean,
1: look, it's not like Drake May didn't experience this a little bit last year. The offensive line... And they went 0-4. It won good. No, I know, but they also had eight wins. So you're right. It doesn't mean nine. that you... They also had nine wins. You can't... I'm not saying that it's not going to be a little bit of a problem, but while guys are hurt, Like, Drake May, I'll take him over a lot of quarterbacks to help us deal with this, right? Like, yeah, of course a good offensive line is going to help you. Like, I don't know if there's a black and white answer saying, oh, now they're really doomed because the offensive line is a little banged up. I will take Drake May over a lot of quarterbacks, maybe except for two. And you could even argue Drake May over everyone. So if your offensive line and what had been a better running game, but when the running game wasn't working, you know what they did? They put the football in Drake May's hands, and now Mm -hmm. he's throwing for 300 and 400 yards. Mm -hmm. When they face a better offense, no doubt, you're hoping that the offense that they've been able to see through the first four games continues to show up. But man, it's, it's better than what it was last year. Defensively, they're better. It's not a high bar, but they're better. The offensive line, at least when they're out there, they're better than what they were last year. And we'll see if North Carolina can ride that momentum going forward.
3: All right, and then we'll see if you guys one day respect what the offensive line brought. I tried to put Christian Darris (laughs) on number two, and you poo pooed it. You poo pooed it. All right, when we come back, we go back to Panthers' land. Panthers' trade rumors heating up. We're going to talk about that more. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McKrispy, Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispie.
0: Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: You know the saying about Scott Fitterer. He's in on every deal. Is he trying to get in on another deal before the season or the deadline even ends? It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Weston Walker coming at you, talking about the Carolina Panthers. And we saw the report from Jordan Schultz, West, that the Panthers were interested in making a number one wide receiver their top priority out there on the trade market. The problem is they traded up a lot of assets to go up and get their quarterback at number one overall. Trading with the Chicago Bears. They don't have their first round pick this year, which means if they are a bottom two or three team, that pick is going to go to Chicago. And yeah, the Bears are bad enough to where they might have two picks in the top three. It's gone that poorly for both Chicago and Carolina. And now it all has this questioning. Is it really the right move to go trade for a wide receiver after you traded DJ Moore to Chicago, a part of that package, even if it was reported that Chicago just wanted one of the big three and dj moore derrick brown or brian burns you decided to include the wide receiver that might help a number one overall pick at quarterback and you don't trade brian burns who now you won't pay who now was in trade discussions again for a wide receiver possibly yeah it's tough to make that make sense to be honest with you now if you were to go after a wide receiver Wes, even if it is tough to try to make it all make sense Do you think there is a wide receiver that you would be okay going after despite having to get rid of more assets or more talent?
3: Man, uh, you got to get a guy that you feel like is a bona fide number one. There's no question about that. You can't miss on this pick. And, Walker, you put it in a perspective that really kind of – shakes things up when you talk about the fact that you gave away a wide receiver. Now you're right back out here looking for uh, a wide receiver. That doesn't look very good uh, on your front office when that's the case. But if you are to go out there, guy, uh, I think it should be T. Higgins. I said that before. You talk about the size. He'd be the perfect type of player to play with a Bryce Young. When you look at the size he brings to the table, 6'4", 6'5". He's got good enough speed to get deep. He looks like, you know, around a 4'5 type of guy. But we know he's a 50-50 ball expert. He's a young player. Uh, that's not even in the prime of his career yet. He's got great experience. When you talk about the AFC championship games coming from Clemson winning championships. So he's got a championship pedigree that he could bring to the locker room as well. You won't have to pay him the sun, the moon, and the stars because he hasn't had the type of season yet to go out there and demand that type of money. Now, if he wants to get that based off what he feels like his potential is, then okay, that's another story. But truth be told, he can't necessarily command to be paid at the top of the receiver market. You have to give him a nice contract, but I don't think you'll have to break the bank to be able to bring him in. Uh He had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons the last two years, and he's got 21 career touchdowns. So I think there's a lot to like about getting T. Higgins. And the reason why I don't necessarily shun the front office of going back for another receiver, again, you made the best deal you felt like you had to make to get the quarterback. And we all know in this game getting the franchise quarterback is the genesis of starting a winning franchise. And so you got that accomplished. So I'm not going to knock you there. But now that you go back out, if you have to go get a guy, I think this is the guy that you target.
1: But I'm not knocking them for trading for Bryce Young. I'm knocking them for making wide receiver their top priority, not including Brian Burns and what still could have gotten them the end goal. My pick, yeah, sure. And you're not going to pay the guy that you didn't want to include in the trade package. I mean, Wes, that – I've defended Scott Fitterer a few times. Like, I, I think there was a reasonable doubt. No more walk of defense. Well, there was a reasonable doubt, in my opinion, to say a lot of this stuff was done by Matt Rule because at the end of the day, to use a Matt Rule quote, he was the guy that had 51% control. So Scott Fitterer is going to have a big ol' say in a lot of moves that they make, but Matt Rule is the guy that all of the responsibility falls on because he has that control. So a lot of that was reserved for Matt Rule, in my opinion. But now we got an off season where we saw what Scott Fitter was doing at the helm. Nobody else had as much influence, right? Like he was the one that could have final say, unless you think David Tepper was in on some of this. So he's the one that had final say. And if the reports were true, that you could have traded away Brian Burns, Derek Brown, or DJ Moore on top of the draft compensation in order to go get this number one overall pick, then why didn't you just include Brian Burns? to possibly ease up a little bit more of the tri- of the draft compensation. So you wouldn't have to give up as much possibly if you weren't going to pay this guy. And now if you trade him, I don't know if you're going to get the two first rounders in a third rounder that the Rams are offering you. I mean, th- this would be really tough as a Panthers fan, because if you get a first round pick in a third and you're down one first round pick that you could have got last year, that's rough. And so I, I'm with you. Like, even me, I, I came into the next day after the trade saying, yeah, uh, DJ Moore is going to hurt. <laughs> DJ Moore's a polarizing figure here in Carolina. But I told you DJ Moore not having him was going to hurt. And it looks like that's true. And now it looks like you could have had him and traded Brian Burns if you weren't going to give him a long-term extension anyway. Like, that that's the real tough pill or to swallow We
3: can't forget about that. They wanted him, too.
1: I, I hope they pay him. I mean, are we just not going to pay any of the talent? No, I was saying no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying I hope so. I hope we don't have this long, drawn-out contract extension negotiation with Derrick Brown. Just like we – think about that. You trade C-Mac. He goes to San Francisco. You don't pay Brian Burns to the point where you possibly trade him. You trade a DJ Moore to go get Bryce Young, and then you could trade Derek Brown in the scenario you brought up. Goodness gracious, if you hit as a draft pick, it doesn't matter. You're only going to be here four years before we ship you out. That is the message that you see. I don't like that message, Wes. (laughs) I don't know how many Panthers fans would actually like that message. You want to go to second take Tuesday? Let's do it. All right. Let's dive a little bit deeper into some of the plays that had a huge impact against Minnesota. I will lead things off and I'll take the low hanging fruit, but I wanted to go a little bit more into detail as to how the Panthers were the first team to get on the board, despite the Vikings driving in their opening possession, getting in the red zone. They were not able to score. It was Sam Franklin who picked off Kirk Cousins on a third and goal from the Carolina five. And he runs it all the way back and scores from 99 yards out. A couple of things to look at one, the way the interception happened. I tweeted it out and it was probably a little too emphatic. Like one thing about Sam Franklin, he's going to stick his foot in the ground and go make a play on the ball. We've seen that before. He is that type of player. Don't know if that really happened here. Kirk Cousins stared his dude down the entire way. I mean, did not take his eyes off of K.J. Osborne, and there was a blanket over there of three Carolina Panthers on two receivers, and Franklin almost baited Kirk Cousins into throwing that football. Easy interception for him, didn't even have to stick his foot in the ground and make a beeline for it, just kinda floated over to the football, ran it all the way back. When he was running, how about Deshaun Jameson, man? Hustling, hustling, man. Played 70% of the snaps, Did get mossed by Justin Jefferson. There are worse dudes to get mossed by. Did not have a good grade, according to PFF, but had a great tackle out in the flats. And also on this play, just a monster block on Kirk Cousins. Ran 100%, full throttle, waiting for Sam Franklin to slow it down a little bit so he can get out in front of him, and then pummels Kirk Cousins on the tackle attempt in order for Sam Franklin to get the pick six thought that was a really cool play big hat tip to Deshaun Jamison for allowing Sam Franklin to get in the end zone
3: yeah and I'm big on tone setters and when you looked at this game early on for the Carolina Panthers that early fourth down run when they give it to Chuba Hubbard and he gets that I thought that that was a confidence call by Frank Reich to say hey I believe in you guys. We're playing with house money. We're not going to be out here playing scared football, even though the game plan would reveal a little bit different type of philosophy. But I thought that that was a nice call early in the game to let your line know, to let your offense know, listen, I believe in you guys. And they did move the ball with some consistency uh, for parts of this football game. And I thought that that was part of it after that they had some nice plays weren't able to necessarily capitalize on it on the way that they wanted to but I thought that that was a nice call early in the game to let your team know that hey man we're here to win I believe in you guys
1: Um, All right, what other play did you want to go another play or did you want me to roll with another offensive possession I got
3: another play man in in the third quarter uh, we talked about it earlier some of the things that Bryce can do in his skill set if maybe the reins are taken off of him what's the messaging from the coaches and you look at it on that third and the around 640 to go Bryce made that fantastic play in the pocket to find Thielen for the first down and I think that's arguably been his best throw uh, since he's been here when you look at what he had to do to get it off things look bleak, pressure Offensive line breaking down. He makes a couple of moves, gets up into the pocket right before he makes a decision. Am I going to commit to running? He finds Adam Thielen for a nice throw. And I think that that was a play that showed you what he's capable of. And it kind of makes you question if the coaching staff is giving that messaging of being uber conservative.
1: All right. So I'm going to go with the play where Bryce Young got frustrated. Did you see this play circulating on Twitter? A lot of people originally, and I remember watching it real time, I didn't think this, but a lot of people thought that he was frustrated with Frank Reich's play call. And so this was the throw, I think it was on third and seven earlier in the game with about seven minutes to go in the second quarter. I think this is what it was, where you throw a screen pass to Terrace Marshall, and as he throws it on his follow-through, snaps, frustrated, swings his arm, but then when he's going to the sideline, he pats his chest, and he says, it's my bad. Now, people thought that Bryce Young could be frustrated with the play call originally, coming in from Frank Reich. Hey, this is an indictment on the head coach. Why in the world would you bring that play call in? once again, but Bryce as we talked about on Monday kill, kill, kill receiving two plays from Frank Reich kills the first one, goes to the second one Bryce, I think pretty clearly was angry that he killed the first look Minnesota was showing a blitz they back out of it, they fooled him They fooled Bryce Young. Bryce knew it as soon as he threw it. Now, I like that he learned immediately. I like that he learned what Minnesota did before he even was done with the play. But I think that was important to note because Frank Bryant catching a lot of criticism, and I think he deserves a lot of criticism with what's going on. But on that play alone, Bryce Young is the one that got fooled. I don't know if it was exactly the play call that did Bryce Young in in that specific scenario.
3: And then I'll go with a little bit more positivity as well. People kind of overlook the fact that With about three minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, Bryce Young was 16 of 16 in the second half.
1: He had 18 in a row, 18 completions.
3: exactly. And so, yeah, so you complete uh, those, those 18 passes in a row like that. Now, granted, the yardage, you definitely wanted to see it be a little bit more than what it was. But still, he got into a rhythm. And he caught on fire, and that's nothing to sneeze at in the NFL, man, going 18 for 18 and a half, a quarter, whatever you want to put it.
1: Now, we might sneeze at it because we're not feeling well, but overall I don't think you should (laughs) be sneezing. Yes, my
3: allergies might not allow me (laughs) to not sneeze at that. But, uh, yeah, I I thought that that was – Nice by him, a nice little nugget to put into uh, his rookie season that he had that type of streak going.
1: Um, I'll give you another offensive possession. I got one defensive play I want to point out. But the third and eight, the Panthers' first drive, by the way, because their first drive lasted going into the second quarter because they didn't get a first one with Sam Franklin having the pick six. So it was a while before this offense got to be on the football field, and even their second drive was very late into the first half. But, man, when they were in the red zone, they were driving. (laughs) It's the story of this entire season, Wes. I mean, the script out of the gate has actually been pretty good for this Panthers team. And Frank Reich did a good job with Indianapolis scripting out of the gate. It's the improv plays that are being called that has been a problem for Frank Reich, but man, here they are set up at third and eight because there were a couple of problems where okay, you hand it to Chuba, you hand it to LaVisca, you're picking up physical yards and then what do you do? You hand it to Miles Sanders a couple of times in the red zone and he doesn't pick anything up. And that, had I think when we were talking about what running back we want in there, you just go to the end of the first drive and all of the problems can be seen right there on first and second down. Handing it to Miles Sanders, you want to establish the run. It does not look like that is the guy you want to establish the run with, especially when it comes to running between the tackles. So what happens is Bryce Young, yep. Throw in another screen pass. Yep, once again to Terrace Marshall, except Ikea Aquanu doesn't chip DJ Wanham whatsoever. I mean, he's just looking at getting in, out in front of Terrace Marshall. So Wanham reads, reacts, blocks the screen pass, almost intercepts it. Could have been even more devastating, not allowing the Panthers to get a field goal. And so that ends, and that is a drive killer. The Panthers have to settle for three points instead of possibly scoring a touchdown. i want to ask you the offensive lineman real quickly. Is Icky supposed to chip? Because he doesn't touch DJ Wanam at all. And he's looking out to get in front of Terrace Marshall on that screen to possibly set him up for a touchdown. Is it just coaching? Is that something that is different philosophically? Because to me, it would have been helpful if Icky would have just chipped DJ Wanam. But I didn't know if that was an Icky thing or if that was a he coaching on thing. on a
3: wide receiver screen when he has the pool.
1: So... Wide receiver screen, mm-hmm. Icky leaves his guy, doesn't even touch one him whatsoever. He's just looking upfield with the seven yards that they gotta pick up for the touchdown. Is should you should do you think he should have chipped or do you think he uh, should have just ran free?
3: I think a, a lot of times on wide receiver screens it's more of a direct uh get out and go because the timing of it, it's going to be difficult to hold your guy up for a little bit and then make up the yards because we know offensive linemen, nobody's out there running a 4-3-40 because on running back screens, yeah, you do want to sit in there and sell the fact that it could be a regular passing play and then you get out of there to get uh, – to give the running back room to run behind you, but a wide receiver screen is a little bit quicker pace, and so I would think that on that one, you would direct the guy to uh, get out there and go because we had a couple of wide receiver screens at Wake that we ran. And uh, more times than not, you just get out and go. So you can get out there and
1: get up. Hey, those I, I don't want you wasting no time, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, I just, we're going to let him run free. Hopefully this pass doesn't get batted down and we're going to be looking to score. I just wanted to know if there was any criticism deserved for Icky or if that was more so on the coaching staff or if there really isn't any criticism and the play just kind of worked out that way. What else you got for us?
3: Wes? Yeah, and so the last thing I'll go into too, uh, to, to stay positive is that when you talk about, um, he took gross and yeah, what he's been doing. And, I mean, he gets the pressure that gets uh, KGH, the interception, right before the half. He finishes the game with a sack and uh, two tackles for losses, a couple of quarterback hits. He had a, a TFL in this game along with the sack. And so you look at it right now, he's already pretty much at his career best season. He's got to get one more sack to get to the three-and-a-half he had in 2021 but you like what you see from him so far. And it looks like he's playing with a fire uh, in his belly and definitely providing presence on that opposite edge of Brian Burns.
1: Um, yeah, just getting a text, and uh, yeah, oh yeah, look, look, getting a getting a text from a good friend of mine, I should say. I don't know. Hopefully, he thinks that he said, yeah, there shouldn't be a chip right there. Um, that it was just a great read by the defensive end. So, getting some good information there. We yeah, appreciate the text, athletes, helping us out. Yeah, man, absolutely. All right, that'll do it for Second Take Tuesday. Looking at a couple of the plays, looking at a couple of the impact possessions that Carolina had against Minnesota. We will move on. It's the man of many names now. On the rundown, he's written as Pinata P. It's Willie P., the voice of Charlotte FC. He'll be joining us on the other side of the break. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
3: McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing.
0: Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com dot com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... I'm Will Pelagic. Tisk tisk to Willie P. Although I see Fitty talking on the phone now, I thought we were about to have to lay into him there, Wes. Your mic's not on.
2: Put my mic on, man. Whoa, hang on! I was leaving a very (laughs) distinguished voicemail. Oh, I thought
1: he was okay. So we still, so we we can still be angry at him
2: then. Oh yeah, and uh, I was really mad that that Walker cut his mic on and did the respectable host thing because I was going to cuss him out over said voicemail. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want it to go out over the microphone, even though I don't know if it picked me up all the way from back here. But uh, what a bad look for Willie P.
1: Why do you think he did it? Does he not like us anymore? Like, is that what's going on? Because there are times where I question it, where he says, I'm not going to go all the way to the station just to do the interview in studio with you guys. We had that whole debacle. Willie P., Willing to show up and hang out with Mac for a little while, but not willing to even just spare us a few little minutes on our show.
2: He didn't even come by the setup on Monday when y'all were at Hornets Media Day. He was in the same building. Yeah, we saw him. Couldn't even come by and and say hello. You know, I forgot
1: about that, too. And that was supposed to happen, right? Like, he was supposed to hop on. He did give me a D's Nuts chocolate bar, though. (laughs)
2: He, He
1: did do that. And he didn't even hop on. Maybe it's because we didn't ask him. I thought that was something. You these nuts. Which one do you want? <laughs> that was me asking a question to Terry Rozier. I did not know that that's something that I would have on my career resume, but I can put you now. You know,
3: he misses nothing. I got to give him that. He misses nothing.
1: Well, I mean, we all knew he was going to be all over those promos as soon as that candy bar flavor was delivered to me. But, yes, I can put that on my resume. I asked Terry Rozier if he wants these oh, nuts. look who it is. What? Oh, now we What's got somebody even
2: answer the phone?
1: Yeah,
3: I want to hear him cop, please. <laughs> he's going to be copping, please. All right, Vinny's
2: going to
1: answer the phone and welcome Willie P. I'm going to tell you about how you can get tickets to the Bank of America Roval 400 this Sunday, the 8th. All you have to do is text keyword PIT. P-I-T, just text keyword pit to 704-570-9610 pit to 704-570-9610 and you can get tickets to the bank of america roval 400 this sunday that is on the 8th of october all right willie p i hope you have a good excuse man i know you're now on the body works plus guest hotline were you trying to dodge us not wanting to be on the airwaves with wes and walker
4: not trying to dodge you at all not trying to dodge you at all it's uh it's a midweek game so we uh we got a lot of balls in the air but uh I got time for you guys I always got time for you guys I mm, was
1: questioning it it sounded a little like hey it's a mid it's a midweek game I got better things to do sound like you trying to call us mid <laughs> <laughs> look what, <laughs> Willie we are the midday show but don't you dare call us mid okay that midday that carries a lot of weight and I hope you haven't lost sight of that.
4: Much better than the Chick Fil A regular chicken sandwich. Much better.
1: Okay. All right. That's fine. We'll have so shots. Yeah, I'm actually with you on that. I do think Chick Fil A is a little bit overrated. I said it. I want to try the pimento. Have you tried the pimento cheese chicken sandwich there, Willie? I know these dudes did in the morning, but have you tried it yet? If
3: he said what he said, I don't think he
1: has. Yeah, maybe not.
4: I haven't. I really haven't. Um, You know, when it comes to the grilled or for the the fried chicken sandwich, I'm usually you know a little bit more discerning. I I like their spicy fillet. Uh, I'm a big Bossy Beulahs fan, as you guys know, mm-hmm. and uh big Bojangles fan as well, too. So it, it doesn't really come up in my, uh, in my rotation, unfortunately.
1: I love asking that man about food. Like, Bougie P is going to be all over the airwaves. Yeah. When he said, I'm a little discerning when it comes to the chicken sandwich game. Only Willie P could uh, utter a sentence like that. (laughs) I love him to death. And that's why we have him on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I did want to go to some Charlotte FC stuff here first, Willie, before maybe we ask you a couple questions about the Carolina Panthers. They host Toronto tonight. Man, what are the MLS postseason implications with just four games left in the season? And of course, we see Charlotte FC tie and tie. And if they have a lead, they're either going to have a draw or lose that game. What are the implications right now?
4: Well, in terms of where they're sitting, ironically enough, despite the current form that they're on, they still control their own destiny. If, if uh, With four games remaining, if they win all four of those games, they have an opportunity they're in the playoffs. I mean, they, they don't need any help, they don't need any results to go their way, but if they don't get any anything short of four straight wins, then it gets a little bit more difficult because you have a couple of teams you have to leapfrog in, That the games in hand help them, but really tonight's the last night that they can control their own destiny. The one thing that is at least advantageous for them tonight, they're taking on the worst team in MLS record wise. They're taking on a team on Saturday in Chicago who they've already beaten this season at home. And then the last two games against Inter-Miami might not feature Lionel Messi at all. And the first of those two games might have Miami down as many as 12 players because of international uh, duty uh, because it's still during the international break. So there's a lot of things that are coming in and setting the deck in front of Charlotte City, but they gotta obviously do the job themselves.
3: Yeah, Willie. And so when you talk about that and their playoff chances with what you thought they would be at the beginning of the season, a talent on this roster, do you feel like that their season so far has been a disappointment or a step in the right direction?
4: I mean, at this point, it's been disappointing just because they haven't played the clinical 90 minutes that i think that they're capable of doing i think a lot of the talent on this team is, is somewhat underperformed uh, I, I was doing a stat you know they've only been six games during this season in all competitions going into tonight that have featured all three of the designated players in the starting lineup so your three most uh most paid players and your highest quality players it should be uh, have not seen the field together in a starting lineup in six games this season so as a result you know we'll see what the lineup is tonight but it's only happened six times, and I think a lot of that's had to do with injury, but a lot of that's had to do with form. And, unfortunately, you haven't gotten those guys playing on uh, basically on all cylinders and uh, in sync together. We'll see what LaTontae puts together tonight, but I do feel like you are as good as your DPs are in this league. And, as a result, you're out to C. While Karol Spedersky's played very, very well, has a chance with one more goal to equal his 2022 output, I think we all were looking for him to take the next step and even go further. And uh, quite frankly, all three of them have had their disappointing moments so far this season.
3: Who's the player that you feel like will have the biggest impact on them making the playoffs or not making the playoffs?
4: I think it's going to have to be you know a group of players. It's got to be their their back four because I think the the issue that's always happened with Charlotte FC is, is their potential to leak goals Uh, they've allowed 50 goals this season which is among the most in all major league soccer and I think they have to play I think to a very very high standard in order for Charlotte FC to win I think we've all talked about especially over the course of the last couple of weeks of their inability to get clinical shots on target Uh, I feel like the guy you look towards is is that DP the one who's playing the best right now and that's Carol Spiderski is as Spiderski goes they go and he's been the one guy who you look at and say uh, is giving Charlotte FC their best chance to win. So I, I look at those two facets. they got to be able to defend a lot better than they have in these games, and they also have to have high outputs from their highest paid and highest ranked players.
1: Well, and Willie, I want to ask you how disappointing. God oh, my voice is just so done. Goodness, <laughs> right. Fitty, I can't. I'm looking right across the room. Fiddy's laughing at me and I keep have to address on, it. I'm going to keep battling. On. Uh, not only is my voice disappointing, I just want to know from you, Willie, how disappointing it would be for Charlotte FC if they did, in fact, miss the postseason. Is just a two-year existence a legitimate excuse, or has that excuse run to the wayside?
4: I mean, you see what St. Louis is doing this year. They've won the entire Western Conference. And granted, they had some different things that have gone their way. They were able to play in the MLS Next Pro season last year and have a lot of their uh, run-up be a little bit different than what Charlotte FC has. Charlotte FC, as an expansion side, has had some different obstacles because of the COVID year and being delayed that have uh, made their run-up to, to start play. Different than some of these other teams, you know, Nashville had a USL program before uh, Charlotte uh, before their uh, their start to their uh, career. Same thing for Cincinnati, but it would be disappointing definitely because there are a lot of teams that have had immediate success. Atlanta won a championship in year two. Uh, LAFC has won a championship here in their uh, third season. So uh, I do feel like a lot of people want this team to try and make that next step they're still able to do that at least for the mathematics possibility. and you know the results could go their way but but no playoffs two years in a row would be a definite disappointment and i think would maybe cause an organizational retooling in terms of players in and players out in terms of uh, what this offseason might look like if in fact charlotte does come up short
1: all right willie p back in the good graces joining us a little bit late but that's okay think he brought some excellent takes from charlotte fc also for chick-fil-a so we welcome willie p even if it's a little late to the bodyworks plus guest hotline you can find him on twitter as always at willie p style one of the funkiest twitter handles that we got on the station willie we appreciate the time man thanks again thanks dude
4: thanks, appreciate Luke. you
1: does Willie sound so, a little somber right now? Yeah, I with so too. Yeah, okay, okay. I just Energy wanted He wasn't
3: necessarily there like
1: normal. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to continue to just go in on him if he's feeling a little somber right now. Fiddy, I mean, you might know about this a little more. So, is it because Charlotte FC looks like they might miss the playoffs? The Panthers aren't, you know, going to have a winning season after an zero and four start. Is there any reason as to, I mean, the Mets aren't in the postseason, too. Is it just a bad sports year for Willie right now? I mean, Missouri's playing
2: pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Palachik is he's the most miserable sports fan that's ever existed. Okay. So even if they were playing great, he would still, you know, drown himself in misery. So, um, yeah around in a pool of lame uh, that didn't even fire right screw you hotkeys yeah man nothing's working right
1: now <laughs> my voice isn't working hotkeys aren't working and the willie p excitement it isn't working but at least has a ginger wife texted in and said gosh i love willie he's the goat with that we can have a nice dismount into the last hour of the show it's wesson walker sports radio 92 7 wfnz